Welcome back to Beholder to One Shot, a non-D&D podcast. Today we are going to be playing Delta Green, which I am very excited about. Um, we will be DM'd by my good friend Alex. Thank you for DMing us today. Absolutely. And with us, the party will be played by myself. We will have Farid from Farid World Builder. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, insanity, please. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Waffles from Waffles Maple Syrup. Hello, and thank you for having me. And a familiar face, Mary from GM Table. I'm really excited to be back. And it's all yours, Alex. Fantastic. Well, welcome everyone to our game of Delta Green. Um, I am your handler. And through this game, we are going to be discovering all the horrible things in the world that, uh, you know, humanity is slowly dying from that nobody wants you to know about. Uh, I'm excited to get started, so let's dive in. All of you are going through your daily routine at work, you know, sitting there, drinking your coffee, worrying about that stand dude possibly stealing your lunch. And all of you get an email, and in this email it says, Invitation to a Night at the Opera. When you open the email, it has the name of a place, a location, and a time. All of you know, as you have been part of this program for some time, that this is the way that you typically receive missions from Delta Green. Delta Green is just known as the program to all of you, and that is how you will refer to it to your boss and things like that. When you actually step out the door, you will find all of you that you also receive a notification of flight information so that you can begin your journey to Chicago. How do you all decide to depart? Is there anything any of you want to do? I will make sure that I grab all of my equipment and I will send note to my church that I will be missing our lovely sermon today, but I will be back for the next week's sermon, hopefully, and grab any last minute notebooks that I was researching before I get to the airport with my overnight bag. Fantastic. The rest of you? Cornwell sends a page to a friend of his. He's got this set up and his friend calls him on the phone and he essentially says, you know, that I've got to go to a conference for his job at a paper company. And uh, he lies to his wife, Leslie, and tells her that he's going away for this. She doesn't know anything about his real job. And he packs his, you know, his bag and just leaves quickly. All right, uh, is there anybody else that wants to say what they do as they're heading out? Okay, Uh, well, Lorelai is the main caretaker for her elderly grandfather. So she kind of sets out up a at-home nursing thing while she'll be gone, like she always does. Make sure all of his old books are set out where he knows they will be just as a comfort mechanism for him. And um, she gets all of her old pamphlets, uh, just different light reading. And when she says light reading, it's, it's about like a five pound textbook. But she also makes sure to uh, slip in her bag, and it's kind of in a secret compartment. But you would definitely, in the cutscene, see her slide like a uh, bottle of uh, prescription <laughs> uh, sleep medication to, uh, into her bag. Uh, she looks a little nervous as she's getting ready to depart, but uh, basically she packs a nice dress just in case she actually gets to dress up, because that doesn't happen very often. Um, hopefully it's a good opera. She'd enjoy some culture. Uh, but she 
she gets ready to depart. Fantastic. And finally, Winston. Okay. Chris, uh, living in a, an apartment in like upstate New York, makes sure that their neighbor is ready to take care of their dog, uh, Zeus. Make sure the dog has a, a going to get fed, has a good place, and uh, we'll put in emergency leave again for the CIA and phone their sister and tell their sister that uh, they are flying out and they'll be back in about a week. Excellent. All right. So as you all head towards the airport, you sit there and you think about, you know, what what's in store for me this time. All of you know that the program picked you up because you saw something at some point and handled it in a manner that they either maybe you helped some agents or maybe you found some information for them, something that would be beneficial to the program. And you came to understand how important it is that this job be done, that you are the only thing in some scenarios that stands between humanity and death. As you all fly or on your trip to Chicago, you land at different times. You notice that the location that you are to meet is at a Motel 8 in a conference room that they have there. Yes, Motel 8s do. Some of them do have conference rooms. Let's say Kamarov is the first to arrive. Dr. Kamarov? Uh, Dr. Kamarov is very prim and proper looking. Uh, she is wearing a long trench coat over her very nice looking pantsuit underneath and she walks in with her glasses and pushes them up on her nose and just looks around to see if she sees any recognizable faces from previous events okay so at the moment as you enter into the room you see that there is a kind of wiry looking gentleman at the table you also notice that there is a table with a half finished pot of coffee on it um, as well as one of those cheap Mr. Coffee Makers. It's not really abundantly clear if that is fresh, because you don't see any steam coming off of it, and the coffee maker is unplugged. So, you know, things aren't... It doesn't look very promising. As you step in, the gentleman says, Oh, excellent. Um, go ahead and have a seat. We need to wait for everyone else to get here. She will nod and take her seat and order a drink from whomever, if they even have that option at a Motel 8. Uh, unfortunately, they don't. As you sit down, uh, the gentleman says, name? Uh, Dr. Kamroth. You you see him write it down in a college-ruled uh, notepad. All right. As the time goes on, the next person to arrive is McMurdy. McMurdy, how do you look when you arrive? You would see McMurdy walk in. He's about six foot one, about 250-pound stocky, well-built guy. Um, wearing pretty nondescript clothing. Anybody that does catch his eyes, it's very cold look that he gives everything around him. You feel like he's measured you down to your last ounce. And he just, he's got this big duffel bag with him. And he just walks in and looks around. As you walk in, you catch the eye of the gentleman sitting at the table. He says, oh, good name. Agent Murdy. Excellent. You see him write it down in his notebook. Please have a seat, McMurdy. We need to wait for the others to arrive. Um, there's somewhat fresh coffee at the table if you so if you need some. It's not very fresh. He would look to you, kind of nod, and then he'd take the chair that's closest to where he could have his back to the wall and see anybody. Can. Okay, fantastic. 
All right, next person to enter into the room, uh, let's see, Cornwell. Uh, so Cornwell, um, before he enters the room, he actually, he's very meticulous in his actions. He goes to the Motel 8, he goes up to his room, he searches it thoroughly. He places his, you know, he takes his clothes out of his, out of his suitcase, puts everything into the, into the drawers. Even if he's here for a night, he's just, you know, stuck in these ways. Uh, he goes back and, you know, to the, to the room and he's got a completely bald head. Um, I would say he's about five foot ten, about 180 pounds. He's wearing a cheapish suit. It's kind of that like gray brown uh, tie matches, but it's just like a white shirt. And uh, he definitely walks with like purpose. His his stride doesn't match his clothing, if that makes sense. All right. So as you meticulously open the door, um, you see the gentleman sitting at the table look up at you and say, "Name, please." He looks, he looks to the person sitting in the corner, and he looks and he sees the woman sitting there. Uh, he, he just kind of quietly goes, Cornwell, and just walks in. And he goes, and he sits close to the woman, probably about three or four seats away, and just, just sits down. He doesn't pay attention to the coffee. He's, he's not going for any of the beverages. Okay. And you see at this point the gentleman is writing your name. Um, you get the feeling of those of you at the room that he's a little bit stressed out. He's not really making any sort of small talk. He's just sitting there and writing things down and also looking through his phone and some other information. Next person, let's go with Lorelai. Okay, so Lorelai uh, comes in. She has like a Starbucks tray. On average, she, she kind of looks up at least. She does a lot of research before going to jobs and so she kind of came up with basic coffee orders that people might like and got them on the way, which is why she's probably just a little bit late. Um, and she has some like different donuts and things uh, with her, but she's kind of on the shorter side. She's got bright red hair, kind of pulled up into a French twist. She's got a nice, just like a business suit, uh, skirt combo, glasses. Uh, she's really uh, perfect makeup almost. Uh, and she's wearing rather expens expensive clothing. She looks, confident, although if you look a little too close, you might see through. Alright, as you enter into the room with this, with coffees in tow, you see that the gentleman looks at you very, very quizzically, with a very inquisitive look on his face. Um, name, please? Uh, Dr. Lorelai Palmer? Uh, you needed me, apparently? Uh, yes, Dr. Palmer, uh, please have a seat. Thanks. Uh, I brought coffee just in case. I, I know that's usually not the best, and you don't know what water they use in it. Um, so I try to go here. They're really reputable, and they source their beans uh, better. So I kind of put it in the middle of the table. You see the gentleman just kind of look at it and just nod a thanks, but not take any. Uh, do the rest of you take any? I'll take some. Yeah, uh, McMurdy would lean forward and grab like the closest to plain coffee you could find and one of the donuts. And nod his thanks to you. And Cornwell just like puts his hand up as kind of like a no and just shakes his head and just kind of goes back to watching. All right, fantastic. So as you, some of you, enjoy your coffee and donuts, uh, the last person to arrive is Winston. Okay. You see a smaller, like kind of in an average way, five foot eight, about 170 pounds uh, person walk in. You see they're in a white dress shirt, very, very clean pressed. 
uh, but they have a smaller, darker blue jean vest on and a and some black dress slacks. Uh, and they're also in like regular kind of worn down sneakers. Uh, you see thick glasses. They have this medium length blonde hair that's pulled back. And you see them walk in with their phone in their hand. Uh, the screen is on like they were just on it. And maybe you catch a picture of their boxer dog on the screen. And they walk in, they stop for a second with tired eyes, look up. And is this the right place? It might be. Name, please? Chris. Winston. You see a gentleman write it down. Thank you very much, Chris Winston. Please have a seat. They nod and kind of furrow their eyebrows for a second and go find a seat pretty far away from everyone. Cornwall intently watches Chris. For anybody that notices, you would have seen McMurdy, as each one of you comes in, would look up at you, slowly just drag his eyes down you, and then go right back to his coffee, like, measure, 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 okay, good. You see the gentleman at that point check off all the information, and as you see him start to get papers out, just to give you guys kind of a little bit of an idea here... He looks very, very tired, but you've never seen this man before in your life. Um, You do know, though, that when the program typically has an activation, there's typically a control officer that is organizing the whole thing, usually not somebody that anybody knows for obvious purposes. So you see him kind of knock his papers together and say, All right, thank you all for joining us today let's get right down to it four days ago we had a a gentleman by the name of Clive Bauman pass away from a fatal heart attack Clyde was a member of our of the program from 1967 until 1970 he also had some other activations during the 80s and 90s Clyde had an apartment here in Chicago and I need you to go there and look for anything that is related to the program or any of his work that would be considered strange. You all have 48 hours to accomplish this. We will meet back in this conference room in exactly 48 hours as he, you see him check his watch and mark the time. You see Cornwall doing the exact same as he says it. I need this done quickly. The family will have questions and I need everything that is associated with us to be out of there. Do you understand? Um, do you have a profile? Do I have a what? I'm sorry? A profile. Like a a profile of the person. Oh, yes, of course. And you see him kind of flustered for a moment there and he hands you the sheets of paper. On the sheet of paper you see a picture of Clyde. Um, he looks he's a man who's in his 60s or, I'm sorry, this would be older than that. Let's see, how old is We'll say he is 70, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, looks like everybody's typical grandpa or anything else like that. Kind of white hair in his picture. You can tell from the bags under his eyes, um, probably somebody who's a light sleeper. Doesn't have any really thing suspicious about him as far as you can tell by the picture. You do notice that his apartment is located in a part of town that is, let's say, average. 
the information in there is again just reiterating your points of what you need to do. Um, do you all have any other questions? How many members are in his family? You see the control officer pick up his papers and look over them. There is a son by the name of Daniel, who is married and has a daughter. And then there is a daughter by the name of Sharon. Um, her family is enlisted here. The likelihood that you'll run into them is slim to none. We're not, we're not here to worry about that, though. Do any of you have any other questions? Have you arranged transportation for He looks at... Or looks over at you, of course, and he slides the keys across to you of a couple vehicles. Um, not really, obviously, not very clear from the thing. They're just rental cars. My only question is: Are we anticipating a particular thing that this man studied, or we should look out for? Oh, that would be very helpful. Mr. Bauman was active in our organization during some of our most hectic times. We don't directly know if he has anything. What you're mainly going to be looking for is paperwork. Mr. Bowen was a member of the IRS. As such, he has a number of things linked to money operations and the program. When the program activated him, it was because of a lead with something financial. So you will need to look through all of his belongings. Again, we need everything scrubbed. Can I roll my luck to see if I know anything about him or read like a case file on him or something like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can use luck if you want to. Do, what skills do you have that might be related to it, though? Um, so, skills that I would have that would be related to it. I mean, FBI agent, um, my whole thing is about knowledge, figuring people out. And if this person is part of this organization, if there are any files about these people, you know, I've done everything to try and learn as much about everybody as I can. Sure. So... You know, rooting out motive, dangerous conspiracies is part of my thing. Um, so the moment that I heard that somebody died from the organization, he automatically jumps to, you know, this is part of this. He's dead because of this. Okay, yeah. Let's do... Let's go with luck, because this would be the first time that you're hearing about any of this. When the program activates you, they don't give you any information except for where you are going and what time you are expected to arrive. So yeah, let's go ahead and do a luck roll. So I rolled a 23. Okay, fantastic. So with the 23, um, you do remember a story from the... Maybe you're from the area um, or nearby enough. You did hear a story a long time ago about a gentleman who um, came out of a situation that he didn't really seem like he should have been able to. Um, there was a horrendous fire and all of this death and destruction and they all well not death and destruction sorry a horrendous fire every bit of everything was burned up except for this one man um looking at the picture you do recognize his face it's not outside of that though it's not very clear okay he keeps that to himself for now well mcmurdy would stand up and look at him and those since you guys are close to him um Anybody who is observant would notice that there's a bulletproof vest under his shirt. Because it's kind of a tight shirt. Oh, I thought, um, I thought he was just big boned. Both. <laughs> and he stands up and goes, well, then what are we waiting for? And the, you see the control officer look at you and say, all right then. I'll see you all back here in 48 hours. And then you see him close everything up and walk out of the room. 47 hours and 57 minutes. We've been wasting time. I'd grab one set of the keys and start walking out. 
Okay, fantastic. What do the rest of you do? I will just follow along for now as I start to plan the best course of action for once we get there, but it's hard to tell until we get there. Okay, fantastic. Anybody else want to do anything before you leave the hotel motel? Well, as we got outside, I'd look at everybody and be like, so who's good at driving? He'll turn, he'll look over to to you. Um, Not it. You said you were a little older, correct? Yeah, he's like 40. Okay, so not, 40, 50, so not, not that. Like not, no, he's 44, so yeah, not too old. You can't drive yourself anymore, old man? He just looks at you and smiles. Can you drive good? I can drive well. Tosses you the keys. Multiple cars. Mm-hmm. There are two vehicles. Well, I can drive if necessary, but I would rather do research. Me as well. I think we should just let them explain their uh, their definition of masculinity as they are showing themselves. And then she's going to walk towards the car. <laughs> Chris will also just walk towards the car, uh, but as luck would have it, she likely ends up in Cornwall's car. All right, fantastic. Have we have we seen any of each other before at all? You said that we we've all been kind of in this for a little while now. No, typically no. Um, when okay. the program activates you, it's just whoever's in the area at the time. You, if any of you think that you recognize anybody, absolutely, but generally, no, you do not. So uh, Cornwall will walk towards the car that that Chris went to and just get into it. Um, if anybody else follows, they're more than welcome to. But he's not going to really invite people. Since that's the car that, you know, like, he knows which one to go to, uh, McMurdy would just go to that one. Probably, uh, who else said they went to that car? Chris. Chris. Chris? He'd look at you and be like, are you taking the front or me? And this guy's like six foot two, 250 pounds. Oh, you can. Absolutely. He nods his thanks to you. It would have been hilarious if Kamaroth was already in the front seat. <laughs> He's driving, so technically it's. <laughs> no, I'm camera. Oh, oh, shoot. That's right. I'm Corner. not driving. I'm sitting in the back patiently. <laughs> I'm so tempted just to sit in the front seat and be like, I'm sorry, you were taking too long. So are we all just taking one car then? <laughs> we were given two and the five of us There's are getting no in one. To have... You see the control officer outside smoking a cigarette, staring at you, trying to figure out which car you're all going to pile into. <laughs> Look, out of character, I have a 20% on my drive. Same here. <laughs> That's pretty normal, though. That's funny, you have a 20%. I don't even have one. If nobody else goes to the other car, then McMurdy would go to the other one. At this point, after you all pile into the vehicles, you start to take in the surroundings and start to it starts to hit you that you are actually on an assignment. As you look out, you can see the Chicago skyline, and you realize that it's August... And about midway through the month, there's no snow on the ground or anything like that, and the leaves have just started to turn. As you continue to speed off, you look around at all the people, unknowing of everything that is, everything that is out there wanting to get them, and just living their ignorant lives. Is there anything any of you want to do before you arrive? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the moment that he turned the, the ignition and started to drive off, he would have kind of adjusted the the mirror, so not like that you can see out the back, but so we can see kind of everybody in the sitting in the back seat that's there with him. And he would just say the name, just like Cornwall, and just wait for responses from people. You see Chris look up and 
they're like Winston and then they look like back down to their phone which has been out literally since the second that they sat down I glance over Winston's shoulder <laughs> no I'm in the front seat <laughs> be like, oh we're doing introductions oh well then I'm a Dr. Amelia Kamaroth Doctor of what? Pathology he like adjusts the mirror. Yeah, he sees his eyes shift in the mirror to. He kind of looks back to, to Chris in the back, who's probably not looking at him. He's looking down to phones. She, she's a doctor. What are your qualifications? Oh, I do computer stuff. Uh, I work for myself mostly. Uh, what about you? I get answers. You see like a small smirk behind the phone, and they continue to look down, and they're just plugging away, doing literally any research they can on this guy. Not on not on Cornwell, on uh, Clyde Bowen. Yeah. Last I checked, getting answers is not a job description. It is, if you're getting answers from the right people. Mm, I'm sure that would fail a uh, test, but that answers more questions about you than it, I needed to know answers for, so... While you have your phone out, Look up a fire. 1992. Okay. In Chicago. One man left alive. Right. They couldn't, they didn't know who he was. It was Clyde. I saw it in a file. Long time ago. Okay. A, a file? So you're, you work with the uh, government or something? Uh, they say as they continue to plug away. That's for me to know for now. He just, he just, look, the eyes dart, dart to you. They go from like the road back to looking into the mirror to you in the back, and just that's for me to know for now. All right, so Chris, do you actually look up Clyde's information or any of this description? Yes, uh, as much as they can. Um, I imagine that they have some some sort of way to bypass like any kind of security on their phone or like dig a little deeper than most people. Sure. So as you do this, as you do this search into Clyde's information. The only thing that comes up is a National Enquirer article. It's right next to a picture, and you get the front page of it, which is, Man survives horrendous blaze. Is he an alien? And then right next to it is a picture of Betty White riding a bear, and it says that Betty White saves entire honey convention from murderous bomb plot. And oh my god, I love it. I love you so much. <laughs> so... That's the only information that you can find on this. However, Chris, given what you know about the program and your involvement in the past, this is quite typical. The program survives a modern day by discrediting things. Right. If there's somebody that posts a YouTube video of something horrendous that they've seen, the agents are the first ones to be there saying, this is obviously fake, this is photoshopped, you know, using the system against it. Nothing reputable comes up for this search. Okay. Uh, Chris will, after about three minutes passes, they say, well, it's it's just normal normal government stuff. It, I mean, he definitely could have survived this fire, but it's covered up with Betty White Bear and all kinds of other stuff. Do any of you have anything else you would like to do in your vehicles? Well, Mr. Uh, I Get Things Done didn't question our final Person. I thought they were in the other car together. Yeah, I was in the yeah. other car. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the, the moment. The moment your uh, McMurdy said that, <laughs> that he was in the other car, I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll let them two of them have a conversation. I'm not asking them anything. <laughs> you flash over to the other car and they're dancing to uh, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs>
No, we got we're rocking boot scoop. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it probably uh, McMurdy would definitely not turn the music on, but wouldn't stop you if he did. But um, while we're driving, McMurdy would just kind of be silent at first, and then look over at you. How do you get dragged into this? Uh, trauma. Uh, you can see she's actively watching you, then she writes something in her notebook. And then she watches you, and then she writes things in her notebook. And he's watching the road. You can tell that he's, like, got full awareness of what's on the road. But he's also, his other eye is almost kind of aimed toward you and watching you at the same time. And he's just, so trauma, and they brought, that sounds like a raw deal. Well, let's just say when you think, see things that you probably shouldn't, you don't get away that easy. And you kind of see this shadow go across his eyes, you know, like that that darkening of the mind when you say see things that you shouldn't see. And he kind of looks forward more. Yeah, something he just can't get away from. Guess that's why they make heads. <laughs> she goes back to writing in her book. And he's, he's kind of... Paying attention to the road and kind of lost in memory now. Now that she mentioned that, he's kind of thinking of some past things. And he just drives to the uh, spot. Alright, so as you start to slip back into that, you know, hypnosis of driving, both you and the other car are interrupted by a beep sound from the back seat. Just a single beep. Oh boy, I'm checking that out. I will ask Winston to uh, look in the back seat since they're in the back. Winston will. Sure put their phone down and immediately begin searching for where that beep came from. I would start looking for a place to pull over. <laughs> All right, so... I'm probably already up out of my seat and looking before he even pulls over. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, yeah, I figure it'd take me a couple minutes to find a spot because we're driving and all that. But he's instantly, he hears that beep and he's like, nothing good beeps. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> I love your guys' reaction to the possible bomb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unless, yeah, unless they actually ask me to pull over, Cornwall just keeps driving <laughs> while while Winston is looking for it. It doesn't take that much investigating. You can see that this item was placed in the back seat pocket. It is a flip phone. You know that this is pretty typical. Usually, when programs are started, they're given, or when the groups are activated, they're given some burner phones. They're not. They only have one number inside of them typically, and that is the contact that you saw in the beginning. When you flip open the phone, you see a single message from that contact. It says, get it done quickly. Chris holds the phone out to the doctor in the front seat and says, here. I will take it and then just scoff and be like, we literally left like 15 minutes ago. Does he not understand how time works? Are you texting that back to him? (laughs) No, of course not. All right. But I will text back be like, Patience is a virtue. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. When, when she, after she hits send, I'll say, send one more and say, if you gave us more information, maybe we'll get there faster. And also this car handles like shit. Cornwell says that this car handles like shit. And if you gave us more information, we would be able to do things faster. Information is important. Kisses XOXO. <laughs> so as you send these items off, what you receive back is just get it done. Love you too, dear. <laughs> the other vehicle, what do you guys choose to do with your Nokia flip phone? Or, yeah, Nokia flip phone. <laughs> I'll reach for it, open it up, and just say, just a phone, don't worry. McMurdy would start pulling back, like, 
We'll say like he was just about to start pulling off into some parking lot, and instead he turns his blinker off and keeps driving. What? So what? What does it say? Um, one second, I can tell you in a second. What does it? Is it the same message or something? It is the exact same message, although it does not have the reply. All right. Uh, then I'm going That'd to reply awkward. back. You have trust issues, don't you? You should probably get that checked out. Hit right. send. Yes, two sassy females. I love it. <laughs> Oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving it. She's a psychotherapist. This is what she does. <laughs> oh, this is too good. So after you send that off, the reply you get back is just ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> and then nothing. We win. <laughs> I, I text my phone number for my therapist's office. And then I say, in case you need help. And it's, it's in case you need dot, 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 help, period. <laughs> All right. As you send this phone number off, the only you don't get any reply from him. You will all know that this is pretty typical for the control officers that you've had in the past. Typically, they're given this assignment and they are supposed to have it carried out. Knowing the consequences of the things that you deal with, it's not that surprising that he's that short with you. Not surprising, but he could be at least a little bit nicer. True, he probably could be. He's a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> We'll teach him, don't worry. All right. <laughs> all right. So with that, you all pull up to the apartment building uh, that you got the address for before. Uh, you all step out of your vehicles and start towards the building. Is there anything you want to look at or anything else you want to do before you get towards it? Cornwell, you know, he park. He would definitely park, like, it'd probably even be like two blocks away and make the three of us walk the rest of the way there. <laughs> um, and he would be... He's watching everything. McMurdy would park a couple blocks away, too. That's just, that's just good thinking. <laughs> all right, so you all park a couple blocks away, and you start your walk towards this building. Um, as you look around in the area, this doesn't look inconspicuous at all. Uh, looks like your typical neighborhood in, the, in downtown Chicago. Um, you see people walking on the other side of the sidewalk. There's buses going by. You hear the bustle of the cars. You smell the exhaust. It just seems like a normal day for everybody. On the walk there, Chris will kind of speak up and be like, so why did we park so far away? It's just a normal clean job. And you'll see that Cornwell will point up to the several cameras that are on the traffic lights in the neighborhood. Yeah. License plates. You don't want to be known. If you've not been doing this job for a while. It's because the people of the that work for the government are a little bit paranoid sometimes. Rightfully so, some of the times. The only thing you can count on is for things not to work out like you plan. How how fancy is that phone of yours? How far can you go with it? They kind of turn it around, and it's a it's a BlackBerry, but there's a large attachment like on the bottom out of the charging point, and they're like, uh, can get can get pretty deep. You think you could get visuals from these cameras? You see them kind of shake their head. Uh, looking up, handler, I have like a, a 60 in computer science, like a 60 in SIG, SIG intelligence. Uh, do I think I could actually get like visuals on the camera? So as you take a look at this camera, you notice it's a box kind of on top of a pole on the corner. Looking it over you with your 60 in computer science, you know that these things typically are hardwired. So you would have a very tough time actually getting into them without physically walking up to the device. Okay. Uh, Chris kind of shakes their head. And, well, if we're trying to be inconspicuous and park very far away, then 
No, I'll likely have to walk up to it since it's a traffic camera. Worth a shot. But I mean, if everyone wants to stand around me and just guard me like I'm changing at a beach or something, then sure. I no, that'll attract attention. Very well. well. Are we done? Can we get to what we're supposed to be doing? I will say, Cornwell, uh, kind of during that, you noticed that while playing it off like very nonchalantly, uh, Chris very quickly looked at the cameras, came to a decision, and just kind of brushed it off as not possible. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was not your normal, like, yeah, it was a very calculated decision. Okay. All right. Fantastic. So starting near the building, um, again, neighborhood hasn't changed much. The building that you come up to looks like it was built sometime in the 50s. It is an older building. Um, you don't see any sort of cameras or anything like that on the outside of it, just a double glass door leading into a little uh, lobby area. So it's an apartment type mm-hmm. building? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we can try to go in and is the body still here? Do we know? Uh, no, that the one of the pieces of information you have from your folder when you look through it is the police report from the event where the the body was discovered after three days mm-hmm. and then Craig was confirmed dead at the hospital, or pronounced dead. Sorry about that. i definitely like to check out that file, because I one of my degrees is in psychoanalysis, but you do learn a teeny bit of medicine. I, I was wondering if I could possibly kind of look through and see if there are any odd earmarks. Sure. So, as you take a look through this medical file, um, are you guys still outside when you're doing this, or are you walking up towards the, towards the apartment? Mm-hmm. I think we'd still be walking and be like a Yeah, because it was like two or three blocks and we stopped to look at the cameras for a minute. Uh, So yeah, sure. As you start to look through the documentation, um, it's got his work history and things like that, uh, his involvement with the program. All of his actual operations are blacked out, which, as you know, is pretty typical for working with the program. As far as there's an autopsy report for Craig, the only things that were in his system, you see the contents of his stomach is listed. Inside of his body, the only thing that's listed is trace amounts of sleeping pills or what they assume to be sleeping pills. Um, when I look at that, does that look like an abnormal amount at all or like a normal I went to bed amount? No, pretty normal. Craig seems like a, a fairly normal guy um, as far as your as far as the file goes. There's nothing crazy. It does list that he, you know, has his two children um, it also lists his late wife in the item. Um, looks like she passed away about eight years prior. But outside of that, no, nothing out of the ordinary. Just listing that he it was an active agent. It does show the period of time that he was active in. Again, all of the operations that he took part in are all blacked out. But outside of that, that's all you know. All right. Well, I will look at the others and say, if there's any questions, we could say that we're here to make sure that everything is clean. Especially if the body's been sitting there for three days, that would make quite a mess, potentially. So the body? No, the body is gone. So one of the items you got was the autopsy report, so the body was taken away. Okay. Yeah, it would mostly just be to, like, clean out the smell and make sure mm-hmm. anything else is gone. Okay, fantastic. When we get to the front, uh, Marty would open the door for everybody. Sure. So you all head up. You all walk into the lobby. Looks like... Not really anything out of the ordinary inside of the lobby. There's some mailboxes to the left. It's got a bit of a musty smell to it, um, you know, like the old buildings tend to have. You don't see anybody in the hallways or anything else like that. The floor is a little bit damaged. 
but again, nothing out of the ordinary. Nobody else is in here. Do you all head up? Yeah. Oh, for sure. If nobody else is in here, I'd go straight to the room. I just act as though yeah. as I, I am living here and would go about a normal routine. All right. Fantastic. So as you all start to head upstairs, um, really, as you're looking around as you ascend the staircase, you don't see anybody immediately. As you get to the floor that Craig's apartment is on, um, you all go up and turn left down to the other end of the hallway. You do see an older woman walking with her dog in the opposite direction. Would you all like to go to the apartment, or would you all like to do anything else? Would she be able to see the apartment if we walk into it? Yeah, she would be able to see you She, if you brought some sort of attention to yourself. She is walking away from you at the moment. Okay. McMurdy would just keep walking to the apartment. Then. Yeah, we can We can just walk to the apartment. That's fine. Uh, I, I'm going to just mumble, like, audible enough to hear, because it's, a, it's an older lady. I'm sure she's a little bit nosy. Got to clean out Uncle Clyde's things. <laughs> So you do say that to her? No, I'm just saying it to the people around me and loud enough that she can overhear. And where she's walking, does it lead to like an end or is there like a turn down another hallway? You just see a turn down to the right. Okay. As you say that, Lorelai, you see her kind of look over her shoulder a little bit, but then continue walking, but she's walking a little bit more slowly now. Figured. <laughs> uh, does anything seem off with her? She's probably just nosy old lady. I obviously saw her slow down. Like, does anything else seem off with her? Like, can I tell that she's taken distinct interest in us? Anything like that? Um, it doesn't. Do you have Sigint? Or, I'm sorry, Humant? I do. What is your points of Humant? Uh, 70. So, with a 70 in Humant, you would be able to read the actions of human beings and things like that and kind of be able to understand their body language as well as their intentions. You can tell she's kind of a nosy old lady. Like, she's obviously wants to know what's happening. Maybe she knew Clyde. Maybe they were friends or something like that. But it's obviously not enough that she's going to turn around and start to ask you questions. Um, but it, it is clear that she did overhear you mm -hmm. and that she does obviously know the person you're referring to. Okay. As we pass by, Chris is going to keep that to themselves. And as we pass by, just give a polite little smile and nod. So I've got a human of 80, so I, I realize the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, as everybody kind of walks towards the, the, the room, I, I think I would actually like just kind of grab Chris by the back of their shirt, just to hold them back for a moment. Huh? And just like, I'm not trying to hide it from anybody, I'm just trying to not say anything to hold them back. And I'm just going to kind of give like the, the two fingers to my eyes and then back to, to over to where the woman is and point and just kind of like try to make it known through hand gestures that we should watch this or maybe even ask questions. Sure. You see Chris respond with a quite surprised face at being pulled up by the back of their shirt and they, as quick as their decisions have been, you don't think they're very like versed in stalking people or confronting people, but, uh, kind of deer in the headlights they give you a nod as if they're gonna continue with you okay as you see is he notices the deer in the headlights thing and he'll just he'll shake his head no towards you and he'll just push you forwards to go towards the thing and he'll just kind of stay back a little bit and keep watch of the woman until she at least goes around the corner chris will continue with the group into the room okay so you you see the woman slowly around the corner and then, so you're all approaching uh, Clyde's door? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I'm going to yes. get out some lavender okay. oil to kind of hand to people, just in case. Sure. Mm. <laughs> so, as you all enter the apartment, or as you all near the apartment, I'm sorry, um, the thing you notice from the outside is that the door looks a little bit older. You see that there's this bronze 304 on door. Um, outside of that, though, it doesn't look like there's been anything else that's happened to it. It looks like your typical, you know, older door that you would find in buildings. A little bit of scratches and things like that, but nothing out of the ordinary. Are you all entering in? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, when we enter in, McMurdy would probably since they were walking the whole time, would probably be first, I would assume, and would go in and would, before anybody else could go in, would like lean in and check to make sure nobody is there and then go in. Sure. So as you open up the door, so you're checking the corners and things like that? Yeah. Okay. So as you open up the door, uh, do you turn the lights on? Yeah. I'd probably open the door and flip the lights on just so I can see in there, buddy. Sure. So as you open the door, you flip on the lights and you look through there and it looks like just an olive drab room. As you look around the corners to the left, you see that there is a small table uh, with two chairs at it. As you look over to the right, you see a kitchen, some boxes and things like that around it um, for cereal boxes and things like that. Um, nothing really yeah. out of the ordinary. Straight ahead of you, you do see that there's an old couch with a television. There's also a coffee table. And then or to the right of where the television is, there is a sliding glass door that leads out to a little balcony area. And then to the right of in that room, kind of to the back and to the right is a hallway. After seeing that nobody was in there, he'd slide in really quick and get out of everybody's way. It looks safe. I will follow in and immediately look for any type of, like, forensics or blood or anything, any sign of human body fluids. And McMurdy would go down the hallway and see if there's anybody else. And, you know, like, he'd check the rest of the place. Sure. So I, sorry, I I was waiting until everybody would do what they were doing in the room. I was staying back and I was going to go around the corner and watch, just not knock around, but watch that woman go into her into her place before I went to the to the room. Sure. Um, she has rounded the corner at this point, so she's kind of out of eyesight at the other end of the hallway. Uh, did you want to follow her? Yeah, I'm kind of going and I'm just peeking around the corner to see if she goes into her room, like goes into her apartment kind of thing, I, or to see if she's coming back. Okay. So, as you walk down the hallway, uh, do you have a stealth skill? Um, my stealth skill? Uh, no, I do not, unfortunately. Okay, that's fine. Um, we'll just go ahead and let's let's see. So, a base you have it is 10%. Um, as you kind of near the corner, you hear the court, the floor, and you do see that the woman is walking towards what looks like a staircase. Mm-hmm. She's already opened the door with the creak sound. She does look back at you and give you kind of a weird look. Mm-hmm. But then she goes right down this, or goes into the hallway that has the staircase. Okay. You guys are making this so much worse than it should be. <laughs> Probably. It's just a little old lady. She's just trying to walk it's her dog and you're just like super suspicious. She that dog is definitely a demon. A, d- a DM, a DM doesn't a- say something for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I would. 
That's it the might horror be, game. The reason might be just to scare you a little bit, but there's exactly. always a reason. <laughs> it's like, it's just the Cornwell chair Cornwell is just like, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah, a chair moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, once, even if she looks back, once she goes through the, the doorway, um, he would go back towards the room where everybody entered, entered into. Sure. So, um, as you all enter into the room, I assume, are you closing the door after you all yes. enter? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, McMurdy had kind of left it for them, so. Sure. All right. So, you close the door, and um, a bomb goes. You all now, <laughs> you all now see the same scene of this kind of olive drab living room. Uh, there's a couch, an end table, and a television. There's a hallway to the back and to the right. Uh, to the front and to the right, there is the kitchen, and to the left, there is a table. Uh, so, McMurdy, go ahead and as well as you are walking down this hallway. You see to the right, there is a door that is slightly ajar. Um, you can kind of see at the bottom corner that there is what looks to be some linoleum. And then back, there are two more rooms, both of which have their doors closed and they're directly across from each other. And that, and with that, the hallway ends. McMurdy would be like going through and do like an actual clearing thing. Like he doesn't pull out a gun, but He's got his hand kind of like hovering towards his side and he goes into the room, like he opens the door with the linoleum all the way up, checks in there. And like sure. if that one's clean, he'd move to the next room and he's just, he's gonna check every room to make sure it's clear. Sure, so as you enter the room with the linoleum, you snap it open real fast and then inside it's just a bathroom. However, you do notice because this is blatantly obvious, the smell in there, the smell of decay and death. It's a very sweet smell and something that you may have smelled before, but it is extremely distinct. With that, you also see that the shower door to the right of the entrance has a big crack in it. There are some dried blood on the ground, and you also see some smashed remnants of a toothbrush holder to the left in the room. I kind of holler down to the hallway. I think I found out where the action happened. Oh, that's my job. Okay. And I move into the restroom un absolutely unperturbed by the smell. Okay. And I pull out the lavender oil that they gave me and be like... <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kamaroff, as you get there, um, what skill would you like to use to investigate? So, I have forensics I could use. Sure. That would work perfectly well. What percentage, What do you have in forensics? 80%. All right. With an 80%, you don't actually have to roll. You are. This is another difference between Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green. If your skill is high enough, you don't have to roll unless you're in a stressful situation. Fantastic. So with a skill of 80, you are able to discern that this is obviously the room that Clyde died in. Um, by the looks of it, you would be able to gather that Clyde you did notice on the actual death certificate and the information there that there follows, you do see that he died of a heart attack. So from your forensics, you can kind of gather that probably what happened was that he was in the bathroom doing whatever, had the heart attack, fell, smashed his head on the back of the shower door, and then fell onto the floor. With the smell, this is where you figure out that he was probably in here for a couple of days. What a way to go, the poor man. Hmm. I will just study the 
blood spatter just to be 100% sure that that looks accurate and it doesn't look like anything was like slammed against his head and then it was faked. Sure. Does the doctor share that with us? After I finish making sure it's not staged first. Okay. I will say something to the party. Sure. So as you take a look at the blood splatter with your 80% and what you've seen before, you see signs of some slight splatter on the door from the initial impact. And then on the ground, you see that there's a little bit of it on the ground, on the floor itself. With that, you would be able to determine there's doesn't look like there was anything malicious. Typically, if somebody is attacked, there's more signs of a scuffle. It looks like there was only one impact on the door. So it looks like he probably just had a heart attack and fell. Okay. She's seen some things, possibly. So she'll go, it looks like the signs of heart attack and death by that an accidental head wound is accurate, at least from all the blood spatter. So no foul play here. That's good. Excellent. And Chris believes her, but just wants to second check with criminology. They've met some uh, some pretty crazy fake crimes and stuff, and uh, they just want to double check it. Absolutely. What percentage do you have in criminology? 60 Okay, with a 60%, you're pretty aware. Um, you're not a lifetime expert, but you've seen enough. As you look in there, you also see the same thing of there's no clear signs of any sort of struggle. There's not multiple impacts to the door or anywhere else. It looks like it was a single strike to the door, and then the body probably hit the ground. At least that's what you're assuming. When the team came to clean up the body, so the, the EMTs, they would probably just have picked him up and take him, taken him out. There wouldn't have been any effort to actually clean up the floor or anything else like that after they determined that this was for natural reasons and not anything malicious. Right. While they're in their room searching there, Cornwell didn't go in with them. Um, he started looking in, you know, just like the, the foyer, even everywhere that he walks in for anything that has anything to do with Delta Green, because that's what we were told to do, is to get rid of any signs of evidence. Absolutely. Do you have search? Uh, I do. I've got a 50%. Awesome. Um, so go ahead and roll. 57. Okay. So with the 57, you're taking a look around. You're picking up the papers and stuff like that. You don't... It looks like the only thing that's on the table that you can directly see to the left is there's a couple cards, some newspapers, and things like that. As you keep looking around that area, you do also see that on a hook on the wall, there are some keys... It just looks like a general key ring. Do you want to continue looking around the room? I don't think the keys seem suspicious. I figured if he was found here that he probably hung up his keys when he came home. Um, and those are probably just them. You know what I mean? So I don't think that he would actually think that's suspicious. I think he would just continue searching until they come back in the room. Sure. So as you take a look around the rest of the... There's nothing immediately obvious that this is Delta Green information, like here's a picture of Cthulhu. Uh, there's nothing like that. Uh, what you do see is there's some Reader's Digests on the table. Uh, the couch looks relatively worn, probably not super new or super nice, but it does look a little bit old and worn. Um, there's also a number of completed crossword puzzle books on the end table. There doesn't really appear to be anything strange in here. You do see that on the actual refrigerator itself you see that there is a crudely drawn picture of a human holding another crudely drawn human's hand and on the bottom of it it says grandpa and then in the corner it says cassie age four 
Oh, awesome. yes, Grandpa. McMurdy was going to check the other two rooms. Sure. Uh, left or right? Um, if the kitchen was on the, or the bathroom was on the right side, you'd probably start with the right and just make it a loop. Sure. So as you go on looking on the right, you open up the door, and it is a bedroom. Uh, the bed looks like it is made, and there's not really anything immediately obvious in here. It looks like it's kept relatively clean. To the right of you, you see that there is like a dresser. And on the dresser, you see pictures of Clyde's family and um, his kids when they were younger. There's also a picture of him and his late wife, a picture of him hanging out with his granddaughter, Cassie. Nothing really out of the ordinary, though, immediately to the with the dresser. To the left, you see that there is an end table to the right of the bed. Um, on it is a lamp and a couple drawers. As you look to the left of that, there is a closet. Currently, it is closed. And outside of that, you don't see anything strange in this room. Okay. Before he starts to search, he's he's literally just doing clearing of the room. So he'd go clear the other room first. Sure. Because he he's not really into like all that skilled at searching. So he he's more running security detail right now. Absolutely. So you just want to do an initial sweep. Yeah. So as you enter into the room to the left, uh, this room has a desk. At the desk that is kind of in the center of the room. Uh, there's some papers on it and things like that. Uh, you do see several filing boxes on the floor next to the desk. There's another closet that is closed up. It looks like it's an exact mirror of the room that you were just in. However, this one appears to be converted into an office. As you look around from the general observation, you notice that there is no computer in here either. I'd call out to him. I found the office and a bunch of paperwork. And he, if that's the last room, McMurdy would start trying to look through the paperwork to see if you can find anything suspicious. Sure. Um, do you have any skills that you would like to use to searching through the paperwork? Um, you can use, like, bureaucracy if you have that at a fairly high amount. You could use search. Would you have anything that would be helpful? Um, not really, honestly. Um, he's very <laughs> alert. Like, so if there is anything that does stand out, I feel like his alertness would catch anything that stands out or that when he's flipping through he'd come across but my search is only 20 so he's not really great at deep dives okay no that's perfectly fine we'll say as you open up the closet and things like that you start to search this room a little bit deeper you see that there are more of these filing boxes there's about 12 of them um a brief as you try to pick them up one at a time it does feel like they're fairly full they do have a decent amount of weight to them Okay. Uh, so are you starting to dive into the boxes or? Well, I kind of pull all the boxes out because I'm assuming all the nerds are about to come in. <laughs> so I, I pull all the boxes out and put them out there for them to dig through. And then I'll start like knocking on the walls in the uh, closet just to see if I can come across something. Sure. Yeah. When he when he yelled that this was the office, um, Cornwall would have left the kitchen and started to head that way. Nice. Sure. Chris said, well, they would have yelled down the hallway. Is there a computer in there? No computer. They would have stayed out there. <laughs> and when you guys walked in, you would have seen, like, the boxes are all pulled out and kind of blocking me off from the room um, on the other side of me from the closet. And I'm in the closet just knocking on the wall, seeing if I can find something. Um, Lorelai wants enough. If she has just a moment where there's no one in there, She's gonna take off her Louboutins. One thing that you guys would probably notice, she's always wearing gloves, takes those off, and then she's gonna start wandering the rooms, touching high-touch objects. And she's gonna to try to use a cult or psychometry. 
Sure. Are you looking for occult items then? Or anything strange? <laughs> yeah, so things that are strange. But I think more importantly, she's trying to like, she's trying to use her occult senses because of what she's been exposed to in her past to see if there's anything around. And usually when she touches things, she gets odd bits of information. Gotcha. So, sure. As you start to look around, you start to, is this in the office, I'm sorry, that you were doing this or the bedroom? Uh, she's trying to do this where there aren't a lot of people because sure. it's a hefty process. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, the office just filled up, so. <laughs> yeah, so she's going to go anywhere but the office. <laughs> we'll start with the bedroom then, since that's opposite side and nobody else it sounds like is in there. As you start to pick through and things like that, um, you don't get any sort of feeling from your initial picking up like pictures and things like that, that there is any sort of connection. There's nothing strange about any of these pictures. You don't get any sort of feeling or anything like that. As you start to dig through some other stuff, you do find that there is no religious text whatsoever in this bedroom. Not really that out of the ordinary, to be honest with you, given what you know about Clyde's work. So as you start to search through a little bit more, you find that there are also some things that Clyde has obviously kept of sentiment. There is a necklace that you pick up. When you handle this, you do get the feeling that this was obviously something that was worn. This was obviously something that was cared about. Looking through the pictures, you do see in one of them that this is a item that was worn by Clyde's wife. Okay. The other thing I wanted to check out was the key ring. If there's any associated memories or anything I can feel off the key ring. Sure. So as you pick up the key ring, uh, you do get start to feel over it and things like that. You can obviously tell that all of these keys are very worn, like they've been in use for some time. One of them that appears to look very heavily used, like you can see scratches along the teeth and you do feel a little bit more weight to it, is the one that you're assuming is for this apartment. Do you want to try it in the door or anything else? Yeah, I'll try it in a couple places. Sure. So as you try that specific key in the door, you can already tell this one is, in fact, the one for the apartment. You then start to look over the other keys. You do notice that there is one labeled cabin. It's kind of scratched into the key. It's one of those ones that has a little bit of a bigger square top to it, and scratched into the key is the word cabin. This one looks like it's seen a fair amount of use, but not a huge amount. Okay, I'll gently say, uh, check if there's any info on a cabin. He might have info there. You say that back to the people in the back room? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you all hear that. We'll say with this initial search here, how many of you are actually searching through these papers? I oh, yeah. If definitely. Chris got pulled in there with no computer in the entire apartment, they would have definitely helped search. Uh, I've got a 70% in criminology, if that helps for that. Same sure. for Chris. Sure. Uh, do any of you have any points in bureaucracy? I do. I have a 70 in bureaucracy, a 60 in criminology. I've got a 40 in bureaucracy. Okay, perfect. 50. So with the four, with the, you said four of you? No, three of you. Well, four. Yeah, I'm I'm just checking the closet and like using my security background to see if I can find hidden. I figure they've got the paperwork. Sure. So as you all are searching through the paperwork, I will let you know that with all all three of you combined, this is going to take about four hours to go through all of this. So in that time period, would Palmer or McMurdy like to do anything else? Yes. I want to go through every single room and I'm going to leave the death room for last because I know that's going to exhaust me. But I literally want to go through the rooms, look for if I can sense any type of like, just like McMurdy, I'd probably help a little bit with this. Any type of like hidden areas or places of negativity. Sure. So as, yeah, you're both basically doing the same thing in different capacities. <laughs> would you tell me what you were doing? Um. Like, would you mention it? She probably is mumbling to herself as a coping mechanism. 
something with with your uh, high uh, security detail background, you'd probably be able to hear no problem. But she's just repeating, like, touch it, it'll be done soon. It'll be done soon. And, like, and you'd be able to tell with her behavior that she's looking for a secret or bad things. Um, he'd look at you and be like, if, if you find anything, let me know. I'm looking for them too. Maybe we can put our heads together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you all right there? I'm, I'm great. Cut. We just need to keep going. <laughs> She's just going to continue forward. She kind of gives you a weird look, but all right. And goes back to searching for, like you said, just he's pulling out dressers, looking for maybe scuff marks on the ground where something might have been pulled out on a regular basis, stuff like that. Sure. So as you all search through the rest of the apartment, you don't see anything directly that was moved around a whole lot. You do see, obviously, that there is some trap, some obvious traffic as far as where the carpet goes around the areas of the closet in the bedroom. Um, when you open that up, though, it looks like it's just clothes and some other items, boots, shoes, things like that. Lorelai, as you search around, the only thing that you really get much of a feeling off of is you do get a feeling off of that picture of Clyde and his wife. You do also take a look at the back of the picture and it says Marlene and I honeymoon and they both look very happy and this is obviously something that meant a lot to Clyde. All right. And then I guess lastly, I'll go in the bathroom and figure out what the hell happened, hopefully. Sure. So as you enter the bathroom, you do, this is where you do start to feel the pain, but it's mostly a shock kind of pain. Like this was unexpected kind of thing. Maybe some tinges of regret, but... Nothing nothing alarming, just what you've normally seen with people that have had strokes or heart attacks or things like that. Okay. You said there was a crack in the door? Yes. Can I kind of touch it? Sure. So as you touch the crack in the door, what are you looking for? I'm trying to tap sometimes with her uh, occultist, uh, I guess, ex exposure if she she's trying to figure out if something happened before this or if there was something else i guess i don't know how to say it if there was something else behind it like it was there something like was this natural was this not natural type of things like that just sensing if there was anything that had any i guess leftover energy okay uh you said you wanted to use a cult for this yes what percentage do you have in a cult 80 percent Okay, so with an 80% in a cult, you start to feel around to the different items and stuff like that, and you start to search for any sort of traces of anything that wouldn't be what you would consider normal. As you look around, though, you don't find anything. There's no sign of anything malicious. There's no sign of an outside power affecting Clyde in any way. It just seems like he met an unfortunate end, and it, the only thing, again, that you get from it is that this was unexpected and there were obvious it was obvious that Clyde had things that he intended to do well I guess after she'll go to the office and help she's got a 40% bureaucracy so she'll touch paper see if she gets anything from it sure so we will just say that as all of you search through the papers and stuff like that and with Palmer helping to touch through them and look you don't find anything immediately connected with the program um, there's no obvious thing that says this is Delta Green, or anything with the symbol of the green triangle, which is one of the things that the program typically uses. Uh, there's nothing in here, though. The only thing that you find mention of is you do find mention of in the tax information of Clyde's cabin. It lists some tax information there. It also has the address for it. Perfect. I guess we can make a trip to the cabin next. Sure. 
Is that what you all would like to do? Or th- at this point, you have now searched through all of the papers. They they all check out to be normal? Mm-hmm. There's nothing in here that you would see as being strange. You will also take some extra time to kind of make it look the way it was kind of thing since Clyde's family is coming. But nothing out of the ordinary, nothing immediately that jumps off the page as being strange. While they're doing the cleanup, can I go in the kitchen and see if there's any liquor? Sure. As you look through the kitchen, you do find that there are two large generic whiskey bottles. I'm taking them. (laughs) (laughs) One of them is half finished. The other one is unopened. I put them in my tote, get my shoes back on and my gloves. Okay. Is there anything else anybody else would like to do before you leave for the cabin? Chris would just like to give the whole place one last search over. They, uh, being here and not really finding anything, uh, just... It's striking them as weird being yeah. being in their background yeah. and everything. Sure. Definitely agree with that. Sure. What uh, percentage do you have for search? Uh, only 20. Okay. Does anybody want to help? I already rolled a search in here, so probably not. I've got 40. I can help. Okay, sure. Um, we'll say with the combined effort, we will raise Chris to a 40%. So go ahead and roll. And you're looking for 40% or under. 73. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. So no. Uh, with the 73, you're looking around the apartment. Again, there's nothing really that jumps off the page. There's nothing in here that seems strange. It just looks like he was just a man older in life and had a couple things that he really cherished, and that was really about it. It's it's very strange, too, because you know that this man was part of the program. You know that he served with the program and that he carried out several operations, but there's nothing out of the ordinary. It seems like he was just there and just, you know, a generic grandpa to his grandchildren and his kids. Um, I'm going to look in one more place. Sure. Where would you like to look? I'm going to look in the medicine cabinet. Sure. So as you open up the medicine cabinet, um, the only thing you see in here is there's some sleeping pills. There's some Tylenol. There's some Sudafed. Nothing really that strange. Did you want to investigate any of the items that you found? Yeah, I want to investigate the sleeping pills since that's what he had in his system. Sure. So you take a look at the sleeping pills. They are prescription grade. Um, It says to take one nightly. Nothing else really on there. It looks like he, according to the bottle, he was a minister or he had written the date on it of when he got it. You can kind of suss out that that would have been about 14 days and he probably had a one month supply. And it all adds up. Yeah. So as you look through the item, you determine like, okay, this looks like he's used 14 days worth of this. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Having searched the place and not found anything, Chris is satisfied and begins to put their shoes on and get ready to leave. Sure. So as you guys put on your shoes, you are you heading out of the apartment? Uh, Cornwell thinks that he wants to go try to question this woman, like the old woman with the dog, now that he they found nothing in this apartment. And I think what he wants to question her about is you know, who, like, who this person was outside of the, you know, this bureau, the Delta Green, trying to figure out who his persona was. Sure. So as you head out of the apartment, doesn't look like there's anybody in the hallways. It has been a few hours at this point. Yeah. Did you want to start knocking on doors or what did you want to do? I'm going to head upstairs and I'm going to start listening for any dogs running around or scurrying around in an apartment or barking or anything like that. Sure. Go ahead and give me a search roll. Ooh, I rolled a 10. Poor little old lady just wanted to walk her dog. A 10, okay. A 10. So with the 10%, you do hear some barking from one of the apartments. Uh, It is one floor up. It is just a couple doors down from where the stairwell 
or from where the stairway is, and so, um, not anything on the door or anything like that. You just hear a dog barking on the other side. So before I, I go up and, you know, I'm going to turn to everybody and say, I'm, I'm going to go find out who he was. I, that woman, she, you all saw, she was nosy. We all know those nosy old women live in every apartment. She'll have some answers as to who he was. I'm pretty sure she's just lonely, but you have fun with that. I don't think that she killed him. I just think that she may be able to tell us who he was. Okay. So do you knock on the door? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, before he gets to knock, Chris is going to speak up and just sigh a little. And they say, well, we're just supposed to clean out anything from Delta Green. That's, I mean, I, I get why we're going to the cabin, but do we care who he was? I don't know if something yet. You, you've been, how many of these missions you've been on? I've been on, I've been on about 14 of them now. I've never been somewhere where there hasn't been one thing left behind. You see them start to open their mouth and then they just close it and nod. And uh, the reality of the situation is this is Chris's first mission and they decide to give it over to you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll... Uh, just make it quick. We don't have a lot of time. He'll um, he'll quickly knock on the door and he'll he'll kind of just like brush all of you off. He'll say, just like go around the corner. I, I, I think too many of us, if there's too many of us here, we'll scare her. Let me... I've done this many times before. Okay. So are you knocking on the door now? Yeah, I knock on the door and you see for the first time, Cornwell puts a smile on his face. Okay. Is it alarming? No, it's not. He, <laughs> he, he does this all the time. Like he's in a, he, he, like what his job is, is he's like one of the top um, interrogators for, okay. for the FBI. So he does the good cop, bad cop very well. Okay, fantastic. So as you knock on the door, you start to hear a dog come barking towards the door and you hear from the inside, Mitzi, you be quiet. As she, as you see this older woman open up the door holding this very small Pomeranian and says, can I help you? Oh, hello, miss. We've, um, we've been going door to door doing some surveys, trying to figure out a census of how people like living in this neighborhood, like their neighbors, like the people that are around here. We, uh, you, you may have seen us. We have several of us going through the apartments, so that way we can go quickly. I asked to come to your door as I saw your dog when you were walking. I watched you walk up the stairs. He's a cute little guy. Oh, yes, he is. Is, is one of you related to Clyde? I heard somebody mentioning something about Uncle Clyde when I was walking. Oh, no, we, we had a list of names. One of the one of our one of our people, one of our census takers has a list of the people that lived in the apartment building. I, uh, I wasn't privy to the list of the names. I was just kind of here to go around and see what I could help with. I'm, I'm kind of new to this to this job. Oh, okay. Well, yes, I, I like living here well enough. And she goes on for about probably half or probably about 20 minutes talking about how, you know, she moved here from Ohio and she's she used to be from a farm and giving you her whole life story during this entire thing. You, you mentioned your uncle lived downstairs. Do you have other family that lives here in the building? Oh, uh, no, my... My uncle doesn't live here. I was I was looking I was asking about the one of your people who said something about Uncle Clyde was was that for Clyde Bauman? Oh yes, Uncle Clyde, that was the name that was written on this list. Uh, he is not our uncle. No. I I don't think maybe that's why she's doing that in this neighborhood. She was the one that put all this together. It is her company. Oh, okay. Do, do you know do you know him well? I uh, I mean, we talked a couple of times. He seemed like a nice enough man. I I just feel so bad that it took them three days to find his body. It's, it's not a good way to go. No, I, I know dogs have a great sense of spell. Was 
did your dog not smell it? You you must walk that dog often with what great shape it is. It's in. Oh, well, I mean, Mitzi did, I think, smell something. That's actually why we went, how we was found is we, she started to smell something and I, I knocked on the door for Clyde, but nobody came and I waited for the rest of the day, but I didn't, I didn't see Clyde come home. So I tried again later and I still couldn't get him. So I, at that point I had called the authorities and they arrived and about half an hour later, they carried Clyde out. Do you know if one of his family members is going to take over the apartment building or to take over the apartment? Oh, I don't know. The EMTs didn't really talk to me much, but I do know that Clyde has two children. Um, they might be by later. I'm sorry, what, what does this have to do with the census? Oh, I just... Uh, you mentioned his name. I figured you, you, you seemed you live alone here, and, and you, maybe you wanted more conversation than a one-sided chat with a dog. Oh, well, I, I very much appreciate that, young man, but... No, I'm, I'm, I'm just fine. I live here by myself, and I've, I've lived my life, and I'm quite happy. I'm, is there any, is there anything else that I can help you with? No, no. If if everything seems happy to be living here in this building, then thank you for your time and thank you for your your help in our census, and hopefully we can fill that apartment with somebody who will fit uh, properly with the rest of its residents. And she's, you see her kind of nod, a little bit concerned. They're like, okay, well, have a good day, young man. And she closes the door. And he just turns and walks, as he's walking away, he's just like, useless. <laughs> All right. Is that under your breath or audibly? <laughs> uh, under my breath. Okay. <laughs> All right. So as you all are, are the rest of you downstairs then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, with the rest of you being downstairs, Cornwell comes and joins you. Uh, at that point, um, if there's not anything else you want to do, let's head off to the cabin. That is part one of Delta Green. We are going to have the same outros for this episode as well as the next episode. So, you will hear a repeat, and we are just going to jump right into it. But please check out in two weeks we will have part two up of this story where you will see what lays at the cabin for the group thanks for joining us alex where can everybody find you if you want to find me you can find me on most social media outlets as Al at alex the dm 89 that's at alexthedm dm 89 at the present time that's the only place you can find me but i am active on twitter and instagram barrett <laughs> um yeah, you can find me on Twitch at Farad World Builder. Um, it's P-H-E-R-R-I-D if you don't know how to spell Farad. Um, but I guess where I'm most active is in my Discord. That's, you know, the big community for me. Um, you can find that through my Twitch. And I hope to see people around. Thank you. Insanity. Hello, I'm Insanity Plea. You can find me... Anywhere you find it spelled I-N-S-A-N-I-T-Y-P-L-E-E. -E. Um, I'm a variety streamer on Twitch, and I'm part of Farad's Discord as well, so come hang out. Waffles. Uh, I'm Waffles. I'm the GM for Waffles Maple Syrup. Uh, we run a lot of 
different kind of campaigns on Twitch. You can find us twitch.tv slash waffles maple syrup. Uh, we're currently in a hiatus there, but we'll be variety streaming. And you can find us in at Instagram at WMSPod or on Twitter at waffles maple. And finally, last but not least, Mary. Uh, hey, everybody. But uh, you can find me on my Twitter and Instagram at nerdonwheels15. And uh, you can catch me most of the time on the GM Table Twitch channel where we uh, talk all things uh, TTRPG and performance because we are a four performers by performers channel. Fantastic. And everybody who's listening, you know where to find us on our podcast, but you can come and interact with me on Twitter at Beholder to No One, or you can find out more information on our website at Beholder to No One.com. Um, this episode is going live on what day? Um, if you are listening to this and at the time that this episode is officially going out, please come and join me on Nikki Beholder to No One on Twitch. Um, we are doing a 12 hour charity stream today. It's a little late and we will be announcing it all over Twitter, but if you are just happening to listen to this right now, go do that, please. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining me today. I appreciate it, and it was a blast. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank bye. you. Yeah.